Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap, your shorthand guide to the week's TV news stories brought to you by the Broadcast Editorial Team. I'm senior reporter Max Goldbart and this week marks six months since the death of George Floyd and the subsequent mass global protests which caused a ripple effect that quickly spread to the UK TV sector. Joining myself and fellow reporter Hannah Bowler to take in all that has happened this side of the pond in the TV world are three women who cover the full gamut of the UK broadcasting sector. Milk and Honey Productions founder Lucy Pilkington, Channel 4 Documentaries Commissioning Editor Rita Daniels and Capital Extra DJ Yinka Bikini, who fronted Channel 4's recent documentary Damalola, The Boy Next Door. Join us as we talk through six months of diversity initiatives, pledges, programming and action while looking to the future. So Lucy, Rita and Yinka, uh, we're so happy that you could all uh, make it today um, and thanks for joining the News Wrap. So first of all, I thought we could just go around and sum up how you guys feel that the TV industry has changed and developed over the past six months. For me, I think that what's happened is that that the, the big change has been the conversation in, in that people feel that they can talk about what's been happening in their in their careers in the industry in a in a much more candid way and i think those for me the conversation has changed and and people are really starting to to explore what's been going wrong in the industry in the last you know decade or so in a way that they hadn't before uh before the terrible events in the summer i would agree with that i'd say that you know in the past black people spoke to each other about it and other people in the industry that looked like them but didn't feel able to talk about it out, you know, outside that, that group, you know, with people that actually had the power to change things. Yeah, I think especially off the back of the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, we're kind of allowed to be a bit more human. As somebody who is in, in, in front of the camera and, and not behind it and in front of the mic and sort of sort of being looked at, I feel that before maybe we were expected to gloss over things maybe we were expected to show up and be jolly and be happy and ignore the wider world because you are like tunnel visioned and you've got a job to do whereas now we are human everyone's starting to understand and realize that we're human and we're able to express that and be ourselves unapologetically a little bit more within our fields that's my personal experience from a, a producer's point of view there's definitely a willingness on the part of the broadcasters and the commissioners to engage with stories that feel like they are black stories or diverse stories and and i think people are realizing that actually those stories have been pushed out out of the mainstream for a long time and actually when they're in the mainstream it doesn't it doesn't affect negatively affect ratings or whatever and i think there's definitely a willingness to engage with a broader range of the human experience which i think felt like it was really happening much much less um in in the previous decade yeah no i i agree 100 percent, lucy i think that especially for me uh 
more so I think on a on a radio level we're actually being encouraged a little bit more now to show our vulnerability to to actually express ourselves in ways that are not necessarily just laughing at Stormzy shoes and finding out what what your latest favorite rapper's favorite rapper is up to it's actually about identifying that the black British story specifically in in this conversation mm. is the British story. It's part of the folds and it's weaved in and, and it doesn't have to be separate because we are part of, of this community and, and every person within it matters. And I, I think that of course there's such a long way to go and we are at the very beginning of something that is so long overdue, but to be, to exist at this time when, when there does seem to be a little bit more care and a little bit more, even just awareness and, and ability to listen or ask questions feels a bit a, a bit more promising and a bit more freeing as someone who is a little bit nervous at speaking too loudly in case they realise that that I'm chatting off. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, why do you think uh, the George Floyd murder had the impact that it did in the way it did and how it transcended across this side of the pond and into the TV industry in the way it did? There's something about the arrogance of that copper. You know, the image of it, you know, it's so visceral. And there's something about the way he did that for nine minutes, sort of knowing that he could sort of get away with it in a way. It felt like, clearly this has been going on forever, but people aren't filming it. This guy seemed to forget or not, you know, it was so arrogant. He didn't seem to think that that act mattered. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And and it was coming off the back of that, that awful... Um, episode in um in central park yeah where again the mm. white woman had had thought it was all right to call the police on a black bird watcher because he happened to mention that her dog should have been on a leash and again it's what exactly what rita was saying it's the sort of the arrogance of that the assumption that i know as a white person that the authorities are on my side i know that the authorities are are going to look at a black man with aggression and and as as the victim as the villain not the victim so i think it felt to me like th there'd been such a lot and like you say that the very visceral nature of of that policeman was just i think just you couldn't ignore it mm. i think as well nowadays of course you know i've grown up in a in a social media generation where we film absolutely everything you know my my siblings and my nieces and nephews are more likely to film something happening than act it's just the way in which they are ingrained it's the way in which they live their lives and I think there is something undeniably harrowing about watching somebody's knee on somebody's neck for that amount of time and I think that whatever your argument is whether or not you believe that you have prejudices whether or not you think that you are part of the problem or you are part of the solution everyone who watched that video there is an undeniability about the brutality and the yeah. arrogance, as we're saying. Even if you don't think that racism is a thing in 2020, you cannot tell me what happened and happened because we all watched the same thing. And I think yeah. that collectively is what brought people forward. And, you know, the fact that George Floyd was just a dude who was going to buy a drink on a hot day, that kind of joint collective worldwide grief is, is what made this the, the, the catalyst for, for the resurgence of the BLM movement. Again, it, it feels like the, the ripple effect of a murder that takes place in the United States in, 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 in an industry that's totally different to our one. And yet the, the, I've got a kind of big list of, of changes that have taken place over the last six months. But the, the, clear, clearly there have been many pledges and initiatives and changes that have been made. So I suppose, do you guys think that 
this was coming anyway and it just needed like something to kick that off or would we have would it have taken years i can see many people shaking their heads no no it, a grenade went off so there has to be change and action and reaction happens. I, I think change is a long time coming. I mean, the civil rights movement took decades. It's not something that happens overnight. To be perfectly honest, when the majority of, of, of a country, of a place, of a company, of a, of a service, of a conglomerate, whatever it is, when the majority are comfortable, change doesn't need to happen for them. It's not inevitable for them because they're pretty okay. I think a grenade, a bomb, a, a, a catalyst, as I, as I said before. Mm. something There has to be something that ignites in order to affect change. And, and this happened to be the, the thing that, that, that blew up. I, I agree. And I, th I think we, in television, had got very, very comfortable with not really thinking that they had to address, uh, you know, particularly what was happening for black people in Britain and the rest of the world. I think that... Uh, you know, television had got very, very cosy in a very particular kind of entitlement. I agree. Employing your mates and TV is just fine. What's the problem? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it just didn't feel like a priority for anyone. Um, and I think that's a real problem. So I'm hoping that there's going to be lasting change and that we don't just get to May 25th next year and go, oh, business as usual. You know, let's forget about diversity and inclusion. Who cares? Do you feel like uh, this is the first time that the change feels achievable? Does, does Are you feeling like something is different this time and actually um, the broadcaster commitments and what the indies are doing, do you think that this, um, this might be a tide of change? I'm hoping so. It does feel like something, you know, somebody's woken up and, you know, smelt the coffee. So I'm, I'm hoping so. I'd like to... Yeah, have to say this time next year that you know bigger things are happening more diversity is coming through we're actually making sure that we track people's careers and making sure that not just giving them their first job at entry level that we're nurturing that talent and making sure that we give them opportunities throughout their career that's what I personally want to do with my talent yeah. I think the broadcasters are doing a lot I think the indies I don't know what the indies are doing they're, I think that their silence on this issue is absolutely shocking. The big indies, the ones who get the majority of the broadcaster money in Britain, I think I have not heard them speak saying what they're doing. I have heard them being very, very sort of timid on this issue. Um, and like you say, you can hear what the broadcasters are doing and the broadcasters are supporting people like Rita who've actually been doing this quietly in the background for years, but are actually get, giving a bit more... Uh, a bit more support to to the people who've been doing it. The same with the BBC, but but I think the indies are you know deafening in their silence around this. Do you have any ideas as to why to why that is? It's easier to be quiet. Like I I, <laughs> I think I think the easy answer to that question is that if you if you're quiet as a mouse, no one really comes and pokes around in in, in what you're up to, and especially if you know you have to remember we're we're in a time that is completely and utterly unprecedented not only are black people and people of color more visible than we've ever been and and our experiences seemingly louder but we're also in a time of great uncertainty with pandemics and social distancing so actually it's a it's unfortunately the right amount of circumstances to not say anything because you could be like well we're not in production and that is it's so much easier to to not make statements that that your 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 actions over five years are not gonna are not, are not gonna make up to are not gonna prove 
I, I just think it's easier to be quiet. It's difficult to act. It's difficult to actually look in the mirror, mirror and realize that you're part of the problem. And, you know, if I was in a position where I, I could be silent, maybe I would be, I don't know, because that is actually easier than standing up, using your voice, using your privilege, using the resources you have to take them out of your own pocket. And also, I think it's something to do with what, what Rita said. I think that's that's really important, Yinka. And, 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 and I think Rita touched on it, is that the sort of the informal, unprofessional nature of television absolutely flies in the face of changing the workforce and changing the narrative. You know, like you say, if you're hiring your mates, if you are, you know, you know that you can just win win a commission by continuing to employ the people who've already made very successful shows for the broadcaster before who happen to be straight white men but let's not worry about that because they're good program makers if that if that works for you as a business model why change it easy to stay the same it really is easy and I think that it's easier as well to go with something that is tried and tested than to take a risk or a chance on talent that to you is, is 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 and I mean you in terms of indies and in terms of people who make decisions that that is is not a sure thing you know putting development money opening up opportunities you know people who are from BAME communities are disproportionately affected by the wealth gap so we yeah. can't necessarily do the internships that get you the the job we can't necessarily do all these things that ensure employment that ensure diversity and diversity schemes are are, 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 are checkboxing so I think it's easier to 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 carry on the hard work is is affecting re- real change and and doing it with an integrity yeah it's about it's about leaning into risk isn't it and that's what um some of the big indies aren't doing because they you know they, they're looking at their bank balance is in their yachts and you know if anything gets in the way of that there's <laughs> a bit of a problem <laughs> their second homes <laughs> amazing why employ, why employ a diverse person if it's going to affect my second home <laughs> But it's, but it's the thing is, it, it, I get it though. I, I actually, and, and I, and I know that it might be an unpopular opinion, but I, I get it because if, if it was easier for me to be quiet and to plod along, and to dive off of my, off of my board into my pool. Uh, Rita, I was going to ask when uh, we were talking about risk, how, how empowered do you feel at Channel Four to, to take those risks, and kind of how have things changed for you in terms of commissioning I think, and I think how more things recently, changed? Recently, I've, I've been able to do that. I mean, what I'd like a bit is a bit more money so that I've got more slots to land the next generation of talent because obviously it takes a long time you know I'm getting them in really early when they're young with the hope that they become the next big names of you know um, tomorrow but that takes a bit of time and nurturing obviously you know it's not going to be you know straight it's not going to be easy for everybody some people take longer to get to B, C than it does for others some people get you know get there quicker so that takes a lot of informal mentoring and and feedback you know I, I'm sort of quite harsh on my uh, talent I tell them what people are saying about them because that gives them the you know the ability to learn from their mistakes and get better and I just think honesty is really good I think there's a problem in the industry um in that a lot of indis- um, indies don't want to tell their talent what they didn't like about their them on their last job because I think they think they're going to be, you know, taken to the race relations board. But actually, a bit of honesty goes a long way. And, yeah. and actually, you know, if you are really fair, 
and you give people, you know, an exit interview and you tell them what their strengths are, they can cope with what you tell them about their weaknesses a bit better. And I think if we did more of that, then I think we're heading in the right direction. But yeah, I do feel freer to like invest in talent than I did probably, you know, years ago. Um, so that's that's good. And I feel supported mm. in that. Are you, are you finding, Rita, you, you're, we've been talking about the, the gulf between broadcasters and, and indies and, and the way that they've acted upon things uh, over the past few months. Are you pushing back against indies who say, don't come to you with ideas that have enough underrepresented people working on them or, or anything of that ilk? Yeah, I mean, I'm in constant conversations with all my big and small indies. And there's a, there's a you know, we know that that's, you know, that's the core of what I do. Um, when it's looking after the big returning juggernauts, you know, it allows me the space to sort of work on who the big, big next talent is. And the companies I'm working with are really open to that. You know, I work from, you know, with Lucy, who does it all the time, to the garden that are trying to do more of it. And, you know, they produce some, a, a great first cut. Lucy and I are trying to develop a, a, a Black Life soap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really fun. And Lucy made five um, protest films uh, in May um, called Take Your Knee Off My Neck. We did that together and we're really proud of that. You know, I grew up, I'm so ancient, I grew up in a time when there was a thing called multicultural programmes. Oh yeah, I remember all it. All young black <laughs> producers would all be put in a department in Birmingham. Um, and uh, and we it was just a very a chance to really learn and explore and and be with each other in a way I thought was is actually very helpful. Bringing Yinka back in quickly, um, I wondered if maybe you could um kind of talk me through your experience, kind of rising rising up through the industry at the moment, and kind of um yeah, just your just your journey a bit on how you got to where you are at the moment and your experience. Um. Well, I still I'm still very new to to the to TV, and you know I've had one film on on Channel Four that's been received really really well, and the opportunity was incredible. Um, I, I feel very passionately about just human stories, and and for me it's like I I know that I'm a young black girl, like I'm I'm very aware of that. I've been this for the whole of my life, but I want to tell human stories, and yes, of course, black stories, but as part of the wider conversation, I think for me part of the reason why it kind of I'm, I'm in the long game of it a bit is because I I don't I don't want to be be stuck doing the, the speaking all the time about you know my pain or speaking all the time about my experiences specifically being of color I, I want to be able to exist in, in professionally and, and in a world where it, it it's, it's just it's just I'm Yinka as opposed to being to being like the brown girl that's why I was really passionate about my first film being in a place where diversity is champ championed like Channel 4 and also the the team who made the the, the film were a team of colour it was it, we, were, we were black people who, who made the film so Ashley of course is an incredible director and it, he treated me so nicely and he was so patient with me and my story and he understood that it's my sister and it's my neighbours and even um our AP Nelson and um Cheryl um as well was of colour and it's and I think it was just so important to be able to tell that story properly and I think even though yes I, I want to break boundaries and I, and I want to do loads on TV I, I, I just believe that diversity is 
so important on camera but off camera it, it, it's it's just so 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 important um i've got so many friends who 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 work as journalists as presenters as broadcasters and a lot of the time they're not able to tell their stories in the way that they need to tell their stories because the person who's dictating the person who writes the scripts who holds the camera who sets up the interviews doesn't understand where you are coming from and i think that's why it's just so important so whilst i am extremely excited to to be like you know, a, a new kind of face to TV and to work out what that's going to be. It has to be within the context of working with people who get what it is I'm trying to say and working with people who, you know, we're in Peckham filming in the dead of night. You need to understand what that means. Like, yes, it's cool when I grew up here, but you also need to understand what that means. Like, yeah, it, it's fine that we can go to my sister's house, but you need to know when it's time to leave. When we're going to go to the community center, you need to know what that means and who to speak to and how you speak to them. And I think that's true for all types of programming, not just when it comes to telling black stories. I think it, it's about being appropriate. I think it's about being truly representative and respecting um, just your contributors, the on-screen talent and, and the stories you're trying to tell. You, you, you talked about being kind of new to the industry and not wanting to get stuck speaking all the time about your pain. Are, are you confident looking forward to the next few months, few years that you won't get stuck in that position? Yeah, because I won't do it. Yeah, because mm. like, it's not for me. Like, and, and this is the thing about, it's it's so mad, but I feel like the people of before, like the people in the in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s even, they have crawled and walked so that we can run. And my generation of people are so loud and so obnoxious that we won't do it. So for, for me, for instance, it, 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 I used to think it was a bad thing that I was really opinionated and I, I stand my ground until I started working in TV. And I was like, oh my gosh, so if I say that one time, that's the take that you're going to use, yeah? But I don't want to say that. But if you give it to them once that they get, and it's like, it's that sort of thing of you have to be able to control your own narrative. And especially where where, where, where I come from, I've got like four, four sisters. So I, I come from a huge family of people who have my back and who have my best interests at heart. So I know what that looks like. And I think gone are the days that you can trick me with shiny lights and, you know, a verification twick or tick on Twitter. And you can't trick me with like, oh, you're going to be on TV and this is great exposure because ultimately the people who are like me and people after we don't necessarily need the exposure of, of linear TV because we have online, because we have all of these things and we are able that little bit more to control what it is that we're doing, how it is that we're being perceived and how it is that we want people to experience us. To, to answer your question bluntly, I, I just do what I want. I, I think that that's, it, it's, that's the freedom that's been given to us by people like like yourselves for simply existing i for one i'm sick of people sending me ideas about black trauma mm. i've seen enough of it i want to celebrate black lives there is another story um and i and that's the kind of joyful television that i'm looking for and i believe that um yinka has been considered for that kind of brilliant you know joyful telly as well so um you'll be hearing and seeing much more from her it was interesting watching your damalola film that it really felt like, yes, it was this story, this film about this terrible story, but it wasn't just that. It was you talked in such a rounded way about the North Peckham estate, about living there, about the community, about the joy in mm. the community in a way that I've not seen that often. And it's really interesting. You can I, Now you say that it was, a, it was a black crew, you really feel that because you felt like, I can just imagine an alternative version of that film where they'd be like, oh, poor Yinka, she grew up there. 
but you know, and you've kind of <laughs> you, you played on that in the film. You know, you played on that notion that we, this was portrayed as a hellhole, and and it just had that kind of warmth, kind of uh, what's the word, self confidence, mm. and that yeah, like you say, it was you, but it was also. I like that fact that it was you were supported by a team around you who kind of shared your view of the world. But it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the film that it that that it is if yeah. it wasn't a joint effort and everyone got their hands in and and dirty and and we all kind of decided this is the story. Well, we all knew what the truth was and we did our yeah. best to try and explain it in all of its complexity. Because ultimately, yes, it is a it's a it's a it's a story of loss. I, I know that and I and I know that my childhood the childhood of millions of kids living in, in the UK is not ideal, but it doesn't mean that we're destined to, to fail. It doesn't mean that we're destined to be victims of life. And there is something ingrained in us, in us that cancel with state kids, that there is a fire that I wanted to kind to kind of show. And, and, and I, and I also, I just, I just don't, you know, I, I go on the radio in, every day and I, I, I've got a show on for music where, you know, it's, it's magazine shows. So we're just laughing and joking all the time. And that's the person that I am. And I think that I don't want to have to put on this little knife crime hat or a, a, just like this is the trauma that we experience all the time when actually I enjoy chatting a, a, a about the weather and I, and I enjoy, you know, meeting new people and I love Gogglebox and, 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 and I love Bake Off and I, and I, I, I like Strictly. I have that, that narrative too. In Mangrove, in, in Steve McQueen's Mangrove film, where he just lets the black people have fun. Yeah, just having a laugh mm. in the street, and he just lets that play out. He cannot underestimate the power of making people laugh, which is why we will love Google Box. I wondered. Well, there, there's obviously been like, yeah, lo loads of progress. It seems to be moving like exponentially. I wondered where Lucy, you touched on this a bit earlier with the the gulf between between broadcasters and the larger indies. But is, is there anything that really kind of concerns you guys still about uh, diversity in in television? speed with which it will or won't happen yeah that's what concerns me is that is that we can't afford for it to sort of for this moment to peter out and it take another 20 years and 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 honestly you know i've been in this industry long enough to know that there have been peaks and troughs and you know i just think it needs to in order for yinkis generation to kind of stay with broadcasting broadcasting has got to move really quickly <laughs> you know what I mean because you know my daughter's 16 and she's they're already they're going elsewhere because they're not getting necessarily what they need yeah it relates to the world they actually live in or they actually experience and so I think for me it's about pace yeah I mean I would say the same I mean I feel quite responsible and I feel like quite a lot you know I've got quite a lot on my shoulders but I feel like we need to speed up but I, I think that's the thing, like people who are, are, are younger and are in the internet age, like as in that they've had Snapchat since they were 12, they are so, so aware of themselves and they see themselves on YouTube and they see themselves like young kids of color um, see themselves on YouTube. They see themselves on, on different platforms being represented by, like I could list off reams and reams of black YouTubers who have millions of subscribers, hundreds of thousands, millions of views, but they're not, there's the gap between where they exist and they're, and, and they're representing here to being on TV. And it's like, it's, I think it's, it's I don't know where the bridge of, of that is. And of course, I do think that there, there, there are 
quite quite a few on camera broadcasters of color you know especially like people like Clara Ampho who is completely and utterly repping and she is absolutely incredible and I, and I stand and adore her and it's awkward because we know each other and I'm always gushing but it's that thing of, of having the Claras and then somebody else and then somebody else rather than the the weight of the representation being on AJ Adudu's back because she is the black primetime ITV presenter or the weight of representation being on Naga on 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 BBC on a, on a Saturday morning I think that you know it, it's 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 quite quite heavy for, for people to bear and it's like yes be the first but there has to be a second third fourth fifth and sixth and people who are younger won't wait they'll just go and make their own and do it over there and then you'll lose that audience do you feel that that pressure as well Rita like kind of being is there a loneliness like is that a thing you're, you're one of the few black commissioners in the country because you sort of you feel like there's an awful lot of work to do, but there's only one of you. I mean, I can, you know, I'm very accessible to my mentees. I mean, people that made films for me five years ago are still calling me, which is great. And I, and I, I expect them to, and I'll always be around, but it's, it's quite a lot of work. Um, mm. And I love it. I love it. But you just want to be there for everyone. So I do feel that there is a little bit of um, pressure um, to get people moving up the ladder faster. Um, and I feel quite responsible for people's careers. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess in some ways I feel like a mum <laughs> to these people and I feel sort of worried about them and I want them to succeed and, um, but it's, it's good. It's not a bad thing, you know? I mean, I, I, luckily enough, I did have people looking out for me when I started. So it, it feels like, it feels to me like everyone needs a backer. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite tricky. But, you know, it's enjoyable. June Sarfong made this point the other day where she just said, whenever you see something that's good, just, like, call around and just say, this person's flipping yeah. great. Like, Be just just literally pick up the phone and just say, oh, my God, you need to see their work. And just yeah. if everyone just starts doing that a lot That more. is a really good point because self-recommendation is no recommendation. If someone comes up to you and tells you they're good, you're not going to necessarily believe them, are you? And what, what role do you guys think that the coronavirus has played uh, within all of this? It's kind of like it's obviously been a, a difficult few months as it is for the TV sector and, and many other industries. And there was a show on a couple of days ago, wasn't there, on Channel 4 called Is COVID Racist? About the kind of disproportionate impact that the virus is having on the BAME communities. I feel one sort of upside is that, again, it may be just my fantasy from my living room, but I sort of feel like it might have broken up the chumocracy a bit. I feel like the sort of, the, the lack of physical meetings actually has sort of helped someone like me who, you know, I'm not an outsider, but I don't feel I'm part of the chumocracy, but I feel like I've had more access to senior people in broadcasting and a lot of other producers I know, the sort of us, the next generation of producers have had have had, I think, better access because it isn't, it, it somehow, the meetings, it, people can sort of feel like they can squeeze in a 20 minute Zoom in a way that actually it's a meeting in the diary and, you know, somebody else comes up and, and you, get, you get blown off. On that note of um, talking about a good show recently, I was wondering if we could quickly kind of segue to wrap up, kind of do a thing each week where we talk about what we've been watching and I wanted to kind of get from E3, what kind of have you been watching over the last few months that you think has really had a good 
record for diversity or, or great examples of how it's been done well um, over the last few months. I don't know, maybe Yinka, while you're on my frame, if you want to kick off. Yeah, sure. Um, I think I'd start with Strictly. Um, I, I, I don't usually watch it, but Clara's on it. So I thought I'd, I'd definitely give it a go. And of course, they had Nicola on there, who was the first same sex couple um, dancing. And I, I was really worried when they announced uh, she had to um, bow out because her partner uh, was tested uh, positive for COVID. But while they were on the show, I was a little bit worried about what the reaction would be like in, you know, places that I, I, I don't know what people's opinions are, you know, Middle England and beyond what, what they would be, be thinking of, of the pairing and how it would go. But I feel like the BBC and the Strictly team just kind of treated it like any other day at the office. And it was like, well, she's going to be in a same sex uh, pairing. And then this is the next couple. And also just the nature of having more people of colour as contestants, you know, the nature of having more people as judges, as professional dancers, even in the bands, in the in the type of music that they're using in this recent season, for me as somebody who doesn't necessarily watch it because it's kind of for my dad, um, <laughs> it's but it's it's it, I think it's really enjoyable for a lot more people um, because they are being a little bit more representative of of the niches and uh, niches in, in in the British like community. So yeah, I think that they're doing a good job, which is quite surprising because usually that show is so boring. So it's <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd agree because I like seeing black people in mainstream spaces mm. as well as that, you know, marginal spaces. Because I just think that's what it should be about. It shouldn't be like TV should be inclusive rather than yeah. sending out a message that says this isn't for you guys. Yeah, um, now we're going to so go to the black part of the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're going to go to eleven o'clock for the black people. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. that you know, you know, representations done, for, you know, in prime time slots. Right. And how, how about you, Lucy? Is there something that uh, has really caught your eye over the over the past few weeks? Well, obviously, I've, I've, I loved Yinka's film. I yeah, that's that brilliant. Was, I felt that just, just, it just was the tone of it, you know, and I think that tone is really, right. I, you know, Arita knows me, I love a bit of serious TV, but, you know, so, but I loved that. And I thought that really, to me, made a difference. Um, I'm glad that Steve McQueen's films are there. Oh my uh, God, yeah. Because I think that it feels like that bit of history, you know, and as, as Yinka said at the beginning, you know, our history is everybody's history. And it just feels like it's it's British history from the POV of people who lived in a particular space. I thought that it's going to be set in the 60s, but it's not. So it's it's that thing of it being very recent history. Yeah. It, yeah. it blew my mind because actually one of my um par partner's friends, it, one of the characters is based on him. And I'm looking at wow. it like, this is insane. And it's just, but that that's the thing. It's like, it's innovative. It's it's bold for, for the sake of being honest as opposed to just making a noise. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. And like, obviously you've got so many new key talents that are coming through yes. with, with that mm. film are going to be untouchable in in a few years and it's just it's everything you kind of love love about about something that works well thanks so much guys we'll probably wrap up here um but you've all been fantastic so thank you so much for joining us um it's been a pleasure to have you on thank you for yeah. having me thank you it's been thank, great. You thank, you thank you for inviting us thank you for listening to the broadcast news wrap i'm senior reporter max goldbart and you've been listening to Milk and Honey Productions founder, Lucy Pilkington, Channel 4 Documentaries Commissioning Editor, Rita Daniels, and Documentary Presenter and Capital One Extra DJ, Yinka Bikini. You can check out past episodes of the pod on Spotify and iTunes.
or on the website via www.broadcastnow.co.uk.